Well, dear Jesus, God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we don't take it for granted that you are with us, that your eyes are upon us, that you love us deeply, that you want us to advance in love and go deep in your love. And Lord, we just pray for that tonight. We pray for... uh, the truth to sink down deep into our hearts and in some cases just I see kind of like even like a dry desert in our hearts and that the water of the spirit would just be soaking deep into our spirit man so Lord I just ask you for that Lord that it would be a rain that would penetrate deeply into our hearts so that we can know that we know that you're with us that it's not just when we feel you or whatever, it's all the time. You're with us, you're with us, you're with us. Thank you, Lord. We ask you for a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation to be opened up to us as we look at your word. Just open it up to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you have uh, notes in front of you, and this is message three in a series on the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think I'm doing, I don't know, maybe eight of these. We'll see. (laughs) See how that goes. But um, this is message three, so just to review a little bit from the first two messages, I have... um, the review, the first message was, and by the way, there's notes in this pile over here for the first two messages as well. So if you missed a week or something like that, you can pick up those notes. But a little review is that the first message was all about how um, the Holy Spirit is like an artist, and he's like the artist of souls. So he lives in us and he's doing a work, and he causes us to look like Christ. Um, God has one ideal, this is paragraph A, and the ideal is Jesus. He is the ideal human being, and um, he wants to make us look like his son. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to reproduce Jesus in us. So we will be little Christ. We will be Christ to our neighbor. We will be Christ to to people around us in our sphere of influence. And so um, here's the quote. I left the quote in here. Um, if, If man had but to accomplish a work of moral perfection according to his human nature, then human reason, a spark of the light of God, would be enough to direct the life of the spirit. But... The work that has to be accomplished in man, as we've already said, is divine. It is the reproducing, the reproduction of Jesus, the masterpiece of God. And for such an exalted undertaking, the direction of the Holy Spirit is necessary. That's Christ in us. Sanctity is impossible without this direction, and it's impossible to obtain a finished and perfect work of art without the direction of a master. So the Holy Spirit is the master artist inside of us to reproduce the master ideal human being, Jesus Christ in us. And so that is, um, that was um, 
lesson one on the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. It's more than just anointing us to do ministry for God. He actually wants to make us like Christ. It's, that's a much higher calling than just an anointing to do something for God. Last week, um, I talked about how faith, hope, and love, they call these the theological virtues. They are the three great virtues that are eternal, that last forever. First uh, Corinthians 13, right? Faith, hope, and love, these three um, remain, and the greatest of these is, is love, right? So these three theological virtues are the, are the ones that, that remain, and they give us the roadmap to fullness in Christ. So this was, this was last week. Um, we talked about how faith is what gives us eyes to see into the eternal realm um, on this side. So we don't see Christ right now with our physical eyes, um, usually. Some people do, I guess, at times, if they have vision or whatever. But um, we see with eyes of faith. Right? That's how we see on this side of eternity. Before we actually get to see him face to face, we have to see with eyes of faith. We have to believe that he is, therefore we come to him because we believe that he is. And this pleases God tremendously. Just like you know the statement that he told Thomas, you know, when he showed Thomas his side and everything, and he, and he says, be not unbelieving, but believe. You know? But then he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Right? That's where we are. We have not seen, and yet we believe, and this brings the Lord great glory and great joy when we believe that we do not see. So when we're walking by faith, this pleases him so much. It's huge to him. He's like, wow, they're pretty much in the dark down there, and yet look at they're moving forward and believing and walking by faith. And this brings God great joy, great joy when he sees that. So... Faith is how we see. Um, Page two. Hope is also really important in this walk. I'm part of the roadmap. Um, Hope is a virtue that we need to combat the enemy, the enemy's attacks. Because the enemy wants to constantly discourage us. He wants to get us uh, to quit our assignment. He wants us to disqualify ourselves, right? And what happens is we discouragement comes when we look at ourselves. We look at ourselves and we see our shortcomings, or we see temptations in dry times of prayer. We see our faults. We see, um, you know, our lack, basically. I, I see my lack all the time, you know, just even trying to run a little prayer room. I'm like, Oh, if I only had this gift or that thing, then, right, then I could do a good job. (laughs) But it's like the Lord didn't give me those gifts, right? So I have to lean into him and trust him for what he wants to do and even use a weak vessel like myself, right? So when I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh, wow, he is so sufficient to carry this through, this assignment. It's really not about me or about my giftedness or lack thereof or leadership or lack thereof it's really about him what he wants to do and he can use anyone he could use a donkey to run this prayer room if he wanted to you know (laughs) basically we are all donkeys right (laughs) K2 
carrying the Lord Jesus. So um, it's a good position. Go low. <laughs> Be underneath. Um, but when we look at Christ, we can gain hope and confidence, right? We gain hope and confidence. And I know that's been true in my own life when I struggled through, um, you know, just the um, challenges of leading anything. Um, if I start to look at his word, at what he said, and look at him, then I'm like, all right, he is doing this. He's really doing this. Last night was a perfect example of this because we had the youth, right? Last night we did teens from 6 to 10, young adults from 10 to 2, right? Jason, Nori are leading it. And sometimes I'll try to help them get some worship leaders, but we're all kind of working on filling sets and all of this, right? Well, last night I hear... Oh, Jordan can't lead worship for her part. Oh, Michelle can't lead worship for her part. I'm like, dang it, we don't have anybody to lead worship for the teenagers, right? And then, I mean, just kind of went on from there. Everybody I tried to get a Devo to do a Devo couldn't, you know. And then I'm like, and then we didn't have, like, Danny and Christy, who sometimes help with the young adults. Oh, they couldn't come. I'm like, okay, we have Josiah for eight hours. No, that's, that's kind of what it looked like at one point, you know. And I'm like, maybe we should just combine, just shorten the night, you know, just do something different. We're trying to figure it out. And Jason was just kind of, I think, leaning into God. And um, I left it up to him to figure it out. And I hear that it was amazing last night. Um, We had the prayer room praying. Thank you, everybody that prayed. But I hear that what happened with the teens was awesome. I think Jason himself probably did a set. Um, anyways, I don't think any of you were there during that time. <laughs> I was not there. I know Nori was supposed to teach, right? Nori taught, yeah. Nori taught, and then these guys were here for young adults, and do you want to say anything? I mean, it sounded like it was over the top. Lose preaching, prophesying over everybody, and then they blew it up in prayer at the end, and they all went away super excited. And there's something about the sacrifice, right? When you're when you're when you're sacrificing something to be here, which in this case your sleep, right? That's an offering, right? That gets put on the altar. The Lord comes and consumes that offering, 
and leaves you with something, right? Himself in greater measure, like you gain something of himself through that sacrifice. So anyways, all that to say that God showed up. We thought we felt, wow, this is going to be a weak night, you know, for the youth, right? It was maybe one of the best nights they've had yet. So the Lord shows up, you know, brings who he wants to be there that night and encourages all of them so much. So all this to say that, you know, we lean into God, we look to him and he does it. You know, he does the work. And I'm always surprised because it always feels like we're about one step away from not being able to do something, right? I mean, it's been that way for 15 years. We're always one step away from, like, closing our doors somehow. But it's like, no, whatever we need comes in. If it's the finances, if it's the place we need, if it's the worship leader, whatever we need comes in when we need it. And this is how the Lord does it. Yes? I just want to say, it was just, it was really nice because um, I, don't know, I just felt like the Lord was really on. Like, especially the worship of the Word said, we basically did a carpenter seminar. Yeah. We basically, I was basically teaching because it was Natalie and Olivia. I don't know if you guys know that. On the yeah. job training. So they kind of know Harper Bowl a little bit. Yeah. They're really great, spontaneous singers. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they know that. But like the model kind of had to teach them. It's like, I would do a song, and then I would be like, okay, we're going to lift our voices, and just talk. I would just say that while I was leading, and then we would all do, and I would be like, so you sing in tongues, or you sing the Bible, or sing whatever you want. <coughs> and then, like, try to make it, like, really clear. <laughs> and then, like, we finished, and then Jason would pray, and I'd be like, okay, now we're going to sing in a line, in a circle. And so I went Jordan. Jordan was up there singing. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, it's funny because one of those things where we're like, what do you say? Like, what are you getting this from? It's like, just the Bible or Jesus or whatever. Like, whatever's put on your heart, you'll get something. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, but then, yeah, one of the girls, Olivia, she got a rocking chorus at the end, and we just sat in that for like 10 minutes. It was so good. Jason was just undone by the end. So this was our. really, like, close out. Our, spo- our spontaneous Harp and Bowl seminar that we didn't know we were going to have happened, you know, <laughs> and people got super excited and blessed. So this is how it goes. When we look at Jesus, we gain confidence. If we look at ourselves, we get discouraged. I mean, it's that simple. So hope is a huge part of this. Then, okay, so that's faith, that's hope. The third theological virtue, just in way of review, is love. And love, of course, is the first and greatest commandment in all of Scripture. It's the most precious right we have. We have a right to love God. And that will never be taken away from us. We could be enslaved. We could be imprisoned. Terrible things could happen to us. But nobody can take our choice to love God away from us. Right? We have that right. And we can carry that out by our will no matter what. We're the only ones who can, who has jurisdiction over our own choice that way. We have that right, and that is the most precious right that we have. Um, So I'll just 
uh, give you this Luis Martinez quote here and then I'll go into the new material, but frequently souls lack the guidance of a clear ideal. They recognize their needs. They know the remedies and they see imperfectly at least the path they must follow, but they are so weak their courage fails at each step and they let time slip by without taking advantage of it. And they sadly behold the years passing with no personal progress in spite of their good desires and holy intentions. What do they lack? A precise ideal and an impelling force. If they would love, they would have extraordinary power. Charity, when it unites us to God, our end fixes our attention on the true ideal of our life. And because it is love, it communicates the supreme strength, the only strength, one might say, that exists in heaven or on earth. So love is the most powerful force on the universe. God is love. And when we love, think of all the scriptures on this, right? When we love, it covers a multitude of sins. And isn't that true? I mean, any parent will tell you how they're not perfect and don't know what they're doing in parenting, (laughs) right? But they love their kids. Most parents really love their kids. And that covers a multitude of shortcomings, a multitude of sins, right? When they love, it, it is powerful, even unbelievers. You know, my parents did not know the Lord when I grew up. But they loved us, and they loved each other, and that went a long way for us having a healthy family in spite of the fact that we didn't didn't know God. So love is super, super powerful. It also gives us super strength, (laughs) divine strength, right? It's what propels us to stay up at 2 in the morning, you know, to worship God, you know? It's love. It's what propels people who do the night watch. You can do the night watch for a little while, maybe in your own strength. You wear out pretty quick. But if love is propelling you, you're, you're thinking about, oh, I've got this meeting. I've got to meet with Jesus in the night, and this is so sweet. I don't want to miss it. I don't know why he's showing up in the night. He doesn't show up in the day for me, in the night. Like, this happens, right? When you're sacrificing and giving, there is a special reward in that place that certain night watchmen get addicted to, Jason Ramirez (laughs) and others. I've done the night watch before for three months. It's so unique. But love is the propelling force. It's because, wow, there's this meeting that's going to happen with the God man, and it's going to be so sweet. I do not want to miss that. Um, so there's other ways to find God besides the night watch, but the, the night watch is just one example where you are giving up something precious to you, right? Your sleep, and the Lord does repay for that. But it's the same with giving up food. It's the same with giving up any little thing. You give up any little thing for Jesus, and and have something happen in your spirit that awakens your heart in love and you're like, whoa, Jesus and I have something going on, you know? And it could be just between you and Jesus. I'm going to give up whatever it is, you know? I'm going to do the dishes for my mom without her asking, and I'm going to do it for Jesus. 
You know, it could be any little thing like that, right? That's a sacrifice, right? Who wants to do the dishes? You know, nobody. <laughs> but if you did that for Jesus without saying anything and just like, just carry that out, you and Jesus have something going on and there's something so powerful about that that it will ignite your heart in love and you'll be like, wow, I just want to keep doing stuff like this. I want to keep doing secret things with me and Jesus for other people. See what will happen. Come up with some of those this week in your head. You know, Jesus, what do you and me want to do this week together that will bless someone and we'll just keep it hidden, just you and me, and see what will happen. It's super special. Um, so uh, Roman numeral three, the Holy Spirit possesses us. So the next two sections in the notes, there's just two parts. The Holy Spirit possesses us, and we possess the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk about the first one first. Um, love is the greatest of the theological virtues. God, is, in his very essence, is love. We talked about that. God's being is filled with, animated by, motivated by, fueled by, overflowing with love, for he is love. Um, I have a couple of verses there for you. Because God is love, love is the foundation of our relationship with him. Um, and this love takes on different aspects um, with the Trinity. So I'm going to go over the three aspects of kind of what it looks like in general. Um, our love for the Father, that is a tender and confident like that of children to a father. For we have received the spirit of adoption where we can cry out, Abba, Father, right? Where God is our Father. Um, so that's the relationship of love that we have with the Father. Look at this verse, John twenty seventeen. It's on the top of page 3. This is after the resurrection. Okay? Jesus sees Mary. She was the first one to witness the resurrected Christ. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. And to my God and your God. Right? Think of this verse. This is so precious to Jesus to be able to say that. Because the whole reason why he came to die on the cross was to give us that relationship with the Father again. We were enemies because of sin. And Jesus came to bridge that gap. Right? So this is the most precious statement that he could possibly say after his resurrection. He's like, I am ascending to my father, and guess what? Your father. You now have access. My God and your God. No longer do I call you, you know, servants or whatever. I call you friends. Like He brought us in close. He gave us access. This was like such a precious statement because that's what he came to die. He came to die for that reason, to give us that relationship back with the Father. Um, so we want to give the Father glory, and we desire in union with his Son the Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is our intense desire when we are fully in union with him, even as this was Jesus' intense desire, right? It, it overrode every self-will decision, right? Even unto death. So Jesus, 
always did what he saw their father doing, right? All the way to, to his whole life, all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where in agony he's praying, because it's not easy, right? In agony he's praying, Lord, is there any other way? And then he would say, not my will, but yours be done. Right, so this is is what our relationship is with the Father. It's one of um, He's our Abba, He's our Papa, but He's also like we want His will more than our own will, enough to deny ourselves so that His will will be done and not our will. So when we're perfectly in union with Christ, we're kind of making that decision constantly of not my will be done, but Yours be done. So that's the relationship with the Father. Okay, so number three, our love for the Son, who became human and took on flesh for our sakes. This love is expressed by deep desire for union with Him. Because He's flesh of our flesh, He's bone of our bone, right? He is a human being, but He's also God. So we can have a relationship with Jesus that is so unique. Um we want to be transformed. We want to be like him, right? He's our example. We look at him, we're like, I want to be like Christ. Right? We, we can't really, with the Father and the Spirit, we don't have the same image, right? We don't have the same type of relationship exactly because Jesus is human. And we can actually look at what he did in the Bible. It's like, look, he went up on a mountain and spent time with his Father in prayer. I can go up on a mountain and spend time with my Father in prayer. So he is like the ultimate example because he's human, you know? So we can go, I want to be like him. I want to be just like him. And that's the relationship we have with the son. Um, we desire participation in his divine life, even that of sufferings on the cross. When the soul loves deeply, it desires to share in everything, joys and sorrows. When you love someone so much, you're like, I want to know everything about you. I want to know everything. I want to know your highs and your lows. I care about what happened to you. I care that, you know, what happened on the cross, when we take time to think about that and love on Jesus through that, like, Lord, I care that that you were um, abused. I'm so sorry that happened to you. We can have those kind of dialogues, you know. I care that you were rejected and all your disciples just split from you. I care about that, that you were injured that way. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like we can enter into that with him and even console his heart because that was all painful to him. And he loves it that we would want to share. He loves that we would care about that, that we would want to share at all in his cross that we would take time to think about it and go I'm so sorry that happened to you they put a crown of thorns on your head and then they beat it down on your head and when we let that like go down deep and feel that pain even a microcosm of that pain we're sharing with that sorrow that he had and he did this with love in his heart, you know? And we can reflect on that and go, even while he's on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So he's forgiving his enemies, you know? And we can, like, just enter into that and share in his sorrows. And this, this is true love. 
to want to share in his sorrows that way, that we would care about that. It means everything to him. Um, number four, okay, our love for the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? It has unique characteristics, different than that of the Father and the Son. Um, so what does it look like um, to love the Holy Spirit? Okay, The Holy Spirit's movements most of the time are very subtle. Um, they're like a gentle breeze deep in the soul. His voice is mostly a whisper. And in order to hear him, the soul needs to empty itself of other distractions and enter into silence as much as possible. That's the um, grand atmosphere to hear the Lord and have impressions and have... Um, inklings from the Holy Spirit is to get quiet. This is hard for our world. This is hard for our generation, right? To get quiet because there's so much traffic in our soul that we can't often pick up on the gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit. We can't often pick up on the quiet whisper of his voice because we have so much going on inside traffic in the soul and this is where we need the prayer room we need the lord to help us right the prayer room is helpful to um get the traffic less <laughs> you come in the prayer room start focusing on the lord we have worship music going on here so instead of there being a lot of internal you know whatever's going on worry fret anxiety about this or that or the other thing in here, we can transfer that to worship by getting our eyes off ourselves on the Lord. So that's kind of the first step, right? Focusing on God, we enter into worship, which the prayer room atmosphere really helps for that. And if you get in here and start to get the culture of the prayer room, that helps you empty your soul. It helps you to empty all, all that stuff out so that you can, at some point, get silent before him and actually get a little impression, get a whisper from Holy Spirit, get a inkling from your heart where you can, oh, I think God's speaking to me. I'm going to write this in my journal. And it's really that subtle. It's so subtle that you don't even think, am I actually hearing him or is this just something in my head, right? It's so subtle. But you start writing these things down in your journal. You start, um, you might get a Bible verse. And you're like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that Bible verse before now I'm thinking about it I think that's the Lord I'm going to write this Bible verse down right it's so subtle but these are the ways of the Holy Spirit he's like a burning flame on the inside right he warms the soul to God and can become a flame that ultimately consumes the soul in a burning flame such that the union right with the consuming fire of God can be possible so the Lord is, is spoken of in the Bible as a consuming fire, right? God, a consuming fire, right? So the Holy Spirit, whose flame is in us, it burns brighter and brighter as we fall more in love with Christ. It burns brighter and brighter till we become a fiery soul, right? And it's that that can be united, like fire to fire can be united in union. Um, the Holy Spirit transforms us into the fire of God, much like the wood on the fire. Okay, we're like the wood on the fire. Well, when the wood becomes so hot on the fire and it has that glowing embers, it becomes the properties of fire in itself. It can actually spurt out 
you know, um, flames, you know, from the wood. The wood becomes like fire, you know, even fire itself. It becomes like glowing embers. So we're like the wood. <laughs> He's like the fire, and he wants to get us so hot that we're actually burning. Um, John the Baptist was talked about as a burning and shining lamp, and we were you know, the world saw his light for a time. Number five, our love for the Holy Spirit requires us to be docile to him. That's like yielded, submitted, um, surrendered to him. Um, A constant loving awareness of his presence. Okay, this is Holy Spirit. So when we're practicing the presence of God, we're practicing this thing with the Holy Spirit, practicing like going, okay, he's with me right now. He's in me right now. He's I can be conscious of that. I can turn my attention toward that. I can thank him for his presence, right? Even if we're not feeling or barely feeling anything or maybe nothing, we can just look at the truth of the Bible and say, he's with me. I've received him. He's with me. I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to thank him for his presence right now. This is how we begin to commune with Holy Spirit. And that's throughout the day. The more we can practice these turning our attention and turning our attention and beginning to love him you know practicing this loving awareness so in essence we fall in love with jesus through the holy spirit's presence within so it truly does take god to love god right how do we love jesus we love him by interacting with holy spirit you know that is how we interact with jesus And um, it takes divine, divinity, Holy Spirit in us to love Jesus the way he is to be loved. And that's what's awesome is like he's inviting us into this Trinity circle. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they didn't need us. They had perfect communion. They had perfect love within the Trinity, within the Godhead, right? But also... They're so filled with love that it bursts out of them, you know, and creation was a bursting forth of the love of God. And they love us so much. Like, you're like, okay, now you go and become human, you know, second person of the Trinity, you go, you know, and Holy Spirit, you go and go inside of them because we're going to bring all of them into the Godhead circle and they're going to be in perfect communion and love that the way we are we're bringing them in and think about it that was jesus's high priestly prayer john 17 before he goes to the cross this is what his whole purpose was i in them i'm getting ahead of myself this is coming more in the notes but this is what it is it's like he's bringing us into fellowship with the trinity in deep intimacy It's astounding what he's called us into. Um, So the docility to the Holy Spirit permits us to be directed by and transformed by him into Christ-likeness. He has a purifying and sanctifying action within our souls, conforming us and transforming us into the image of the Son. So in summary, says Luis Martinez, our love for the Father tends to glorify him, our love for the Son, to transform ourselves into him or Christ-likeness, our love for the Holy Spirit to let ourselves be possessed and moved by him. So those are kind of three aspects, the way we love God according to each 
person of the Trinity. In order to fully cooperate with Holy Spirit, the soul must empty itself of a thousand distractions and learn to quiet itself before the bonfire of God. We know we can know our shepherd's voice, but we must actively listen for it. He whispers, he gives subtle impressions, he moves gently. Um, top of page four, to be fully submitted and docile to the Holy Spirit requires a death to ourselves, and this death is painful and requires total sacrifice. So it's just important to remember that love and pain are always proportional. Like it goes together. On this side of heaven, love and pain go together, and it has a fusing effect right because when you are with someone you love and you go through something together that's painful you get fused because of that painful circumstance right i think i said it before in here you know men go out to war they have experiences of war together they've got each other's back they're in this battle right they go through something when they come home, they want to get together with their war buddies. Why? Because only that person understands what they went through. Right? And this is the same with Christ. Like, he went through something. He went through the trauma of the cross. It was high trauma. And yes, he was the son of God. He's God. We tend to think, well, you know, he's God, so it probably didn't really hurt that bad for him. No. He allowed himself to be fully human, to fully enter into the trauma of the cross, which is the example of how much we're separated from God and how much our sin has kept us away from the Father. Like, he experienced it all on the cross. He experienced rejection. Like, when we experience rejection, he experienced that far more. You know, he experienced abuse. He experienced um, humiliation. He experienced demonic oppression at the highest level. Like he didn't let himself be immune. He let himself feel all of this trauma and pain. That at that he was fully entering into our world and our pain and our separation and our you know, the way sin has hurt us, you know, we hurt others and others hurt us because of sin, right? It's kind of the world we live in. And yet Jesus took all of that on, on the cross. So when we look, when we are going through something, and this, this is the most practical slash powerful thing you can do because we all suffer and we all go through pain and we all have trials we all have tribulations the most practical most powerful thing you can do is think about what jesus went through on the cross and how you can relate to it if you're experiencing loneliness he was very lonely everyone left him at one point he's literally he was on his own you know, and so you can, you can say in the place of prayer, Lord, you know what loneliness is like. You know how I'm feeling. You know what it's like even more. And then you just look at that and you, and you go, thank you for going through that for me. 
your soul will become fused to God. Because all of a sudden you are understanding and giving him your pain, your offering, you're giving him an offering. Your loneliness, your rejection, your suffering, right? Or how you suffered at the hands of sinners, others, right? You're going, whoa, you experienced that, Lord, much more than me. So you give him that as an offering. You're like, thank you, God, that I could experience a drop of what you experienced. And now we understand each other more. And your soul can get fused in love. Pain fuses, pain and love are all together and they fuse the souls to each other. So that is very practical and very powerful in your own life, your own walk with God. And you can start to look at life completely differently. You're, you can have completely different eyes. And instead of feeling the woe is me or taking on self-pity, right, which we all do, you know, we can go, wait a minute. I'm going through this, and I'm going through it for a reason. God experienced this. Jesus experienced this on the cross. He's letting me know what it feels like, what he went through a little bit. And then you become, like, fused in love. So it's, it's powerful, and it's really the most practical way to look at life because life is hard, right? It doesn't matter... Um, what parents you had, you know, what friends you have or don't have, how much money you have or don't have, right? Everyone has stuff, (laughs) right? Everyone has pain. Everyone has stuff because we all are suffering the same plight of human sinful condition. And so we can use that to our advantage in this place by offering it up to Jesus and letting our soul be fused to his and and thanking him for what he went through. Um, So here's what Luis Martinez says. The path of of the divine dove is ever the same. His flight is always toward Calvary. The shining white wings can always be described above the blessed cross, for that is where love is to be found on the earth. As in heaven, it is found in the bosom of the Father. So on earth, we find love, the love of God, we find it in the cross. And we identify him, because that's why he says to us, take up your cross and follow me. That's why he's giving us that to do. Because we all have a cross to take up. We all have a measure of suffering and pain to take up. Why does he want us to do that? So that we can join him in his cross Thank him for it and get the victory that he got. Because in Christ, we have that victory, right? We overcome how? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome in this life. We're like, yeah, this happened to me. All these bad things happened to me, but God. Here's my testimony, and this is how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Whoa, right? And in the days to come... We're going to see this so much more and so much widespread. It's going to be the word of the testimony, the blood of the lamb, and the word of the testimony, right? When revival starts to break out everywhere, we're going to be hearing a lot of testimonies. (laughs) We're going to be hearing a lot of, this is what God did for me, you know? And it happened by the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is what does everything, right? It heals. 
It delivers. It protects. It's all in the blood. The blood of Jesus is everything. Um, and then just, I'm going to wrap this up. Sorry, I've gone on too long. We possess the Holy Spirit. And this is also a precious, precious truth. Not only does the Holy Spirit possess us, right, when he comes into us, but we also possess him. This mutual love goes both directions. Look at the Song of Songs. My lover belongs to me, and I belong to him. This is a two-way relationship. Um, In Jesus' last prayer before going to the cross, so that he could fully have us as his bride, this is what he prayed, that all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. You know, this is the great mutual love affair that we have with God. Um, He goes on to say, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in unity. Okay? This is what he died for. um, This great mutual love. So the nature of love is mutual possession, right? Love doesn't work when it's just one-sided. It has to be mutual. It has to have two sides. Okay? God doesn't want robots. He wants lovers, right? It has to go both ways. One cannot possess without being possessed. And I'm using that word in a good way, right? Possession in a good way. He is not the only the director of our souls, but he is the gift from the Father to us that we might possess, right, a holy gift. We possess the gift of God in our souls. The gift of the Holy Spirit is manifest in the believer's life in proportion to the laying down of one's life and surrender to him. Okay, so it's all in proportion. Our surrender, it's in proportion. Like the gift will manifest more and more the more we surrender. This mutual possession is the great exchange. Our life for his, our will for his will, our heart of misery, right, for his heart of unending love. We give him our heart of mercy. He's going to give us his heart of love. What an exchange. That's a really good exchange rate. He's like, just give me your misery. That's the only thing you can really possess, you know. Give me your misery and I'll give you myself, my love, my unending love. That's powerful. So we'll wrap it up right there. I'm going to close it up in prayer and then we'll go into some worship and prayer around these scriptures. And also give you time to respond a little bit, too, if you have something that you want to share. So, Lord, we just thank you for these precious truths of Scripture. God, I ask you right now that you would put it into our hearts so deep that it would be like the rain going into the dry soil of our heart. And the rain would just penetrate down deep, Lord that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God deeply. God, I ask you, let this word go deep into us so that it can manifest through us, in us and through us, to the world around us. Lord, I pray that each one of us could see things differently. We could see with these eyes that, whoa, everything that happens to me has a purpose, and I'm going to look at Christ on the cross right now and discover what this is for my life. I'm going to focus on what he went through and become united to him. So, Lord, I pray that you would just take these truths and just bury them deep into our heart so that we can know you truly, Lord, and love you rightly 
and give you the honor and love that you deserve, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.